and welcome to the first episode of Big League Flicks, a sports movie podcast. I'm Jamie McKinnon, joined by my co-host, Christian Webster and Jordan Reed. What's up, fellas? Hey, boys. How are you? Good to see you. Been a while. Uh, glad we could uh, get together and finally get this thing happening. Hi, everybody. Great to be here today on this hot, hot summer day. This is exciting to get the first episode underway. This is incredibly hot out here. I mean, we're, it's funny. This is our first episode. We're a little bit uh, off the cuff right now. We're... we're Doing it off my saw table in my garage in the sweltering heat. I mean, this doesn't get any more rinky dink starting out on a good podcast like this, but all right, let's get into it, boys. Uh, so, for our first ever episode, we've decided to do a breakdown of classic, iconic, all time sports movie. Easily in my top five. Who are you? I'm the player to be named later. I love winning, man. You hear what I'm saying? It's like better than losing. Sucker teed off in that like he knew I was going to throw a fastball. He did know. I told him. Honey, I want you to wear these when you're pitching on the road. They're garters. Rose goes in the front, big guy. Love is a lot like baseball. It's not whether you win or lose. It's how you play the game. No problem, no problem, no problem. Kevin Costner. Get a hit, Crash. Shut up. Susan Sarandon. Have you ever been tied up in bed? Tim Robbins. Woo-hoo! I'm too old for this. Bull Durham. That's right. What what better thing to start off a first episode about sports movies than diving into Ron Shelton's 1988 Diamond Classic Bull Durham, starring Kevin Costner, Susan Sarandon, and Tim Robbins. Now, what we're going to do in each episode is we're gonna we're gonna start everything off by cracking a beer, and we're gonna have a little bit of a beer review. So this week's episode, we're uh, we're usually trying to uh, get something from the region that the movie maybe takes place. But of course, uh, during this whole COVID pandemic, it's a little bit challenging to uh, get your hands on some of those uh, beer deliveries. So uh, we decided to go with a beer that is... Uh, Pretty prevalent throughout the movie. Uh, you catch it the first time in uh, the coach's office when we have the meeting to uh, to get introduced to Crash, and then you see it again in the rainout uh, and a couple other scenes later on. Uh, so, uh, cheers, boys! We're uh, drinking the uh, champagne of beers this week. Uh, Miller High Life, free pub for Miller. Uh, so, you know, as Miller High Life goes, brewed in 1903, it's a favorite among bartenders, brewers, and beer lovers in general. Uh, it's an easy drinking, crisp flavor. Uh, is the epitome of American lager. True to its original recipe, it's brewed with a propriety blend of malted barley, Galnea hops in the Pacific Northwest, and the Miller yeast. The one thing you will not get from this podcast is uh, beer snob reviews. You will be just getting some fantastic drinking along with some funny takes on some of these sports movies. So uh, if you're looking for some... Uh, IBU content and some uh, barley hops and all that good on uh, good nonsense. You've come to the wrong place, my friends. Just enjoy a cold one with your boys and uh, enjoy. Yeah, it's a good beer. I- I'm enjoying it. What do you think? Well, I'm kind of conflicted on this beer. I got to be honest. It's a minor league beer for a minor league movie. As I was seeing that constantly, it kept going all the time through through the rinky dinky coach's office, crash carrying the six pack around, getting the quote rain out. But it also has a notion to it that when you're at a ballpark, this is the kind of beer you want to have with a dog and a beer. 
it fits that mold. It's a lager. It's easy. I like it. There's nothing fancy to it. You don't come to the ballpark to drink a craft beer. No, you bet. come to the ballpark to drink a lager beer, and this will provide that opportunity for you. A beer and a brat. Exactly. I like it. I like it. Out of 10, boys, what do you get it? What do you got in this one? It's hard for me because it's in terms of the crispness and easiness going down, it's really nice. But uh, I've had a few of these in my, my lifetime, and uh, I'm always uh, brought back to the next day. And, uh, well, let's just say it uh, it gives you quite the uh, the run to the uh, local facilities quite frequently. So <laughs> I don't know uh, if I can go anything higher. Uh, I'm going to give it the old Dave Portnoy special of uh, 7-1. That's not bad. What do you got, JR? For this beer... Um, I've also experienced a tough back end for this one the next morning <laughs> around 8 a.m., 7 a.m. You're not feeling good. It can give you a headache, that's for sure. It sneaks up on you. Yeah, it does sneak up on you. It's a little bit heavier than you think, but it's still easy drinking. Uh, I like the price point of it. It's not too bad. The flavor's pretty good. Um, I got to go... I'm going to go a little higher than Webb. I'm going to go 7.3 on that scale for the fact that it has a romantic notion to baseball. And this movie keeps that alive. In the 1903, it has the whole baseball feel to it of a beer. So I'm gonna, we're sitting in a sweaty garage shooting our first episode. I'm pretty excited today. So you know what? I'm feeling good. I'm in the mood. I'm going to give it a 7.4. Even up, even up. Just, just, had to, just to have one, one up more. Like, the guy in the price is right. That's me right now. One penny, one penny. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into the movie synopsis here. We're just going to dive in. So this movie, uh, it stars uh, Kevin Costner as Crash Davis, who's a 12-year minor league veteran. Man rocket. Cup, oh, absolutely. He had a cup of coffee in the show. He's sent down to the high-A Durham Bulls for a specific purpose, to mentor host, uh, hotshot rookie, Ebby Calvin Nuke Lelouch, what a name, who's played by Tim Robbins. And over the course of the movie, the baseball gods put Crash's patience to the test as he cultivates Lelouch's talent while dealing with the reality that his career is in rapid decline in the Carolina Leagues. Susan Sarandon plays Annie Savoy, who's kind of a seductive, wise baseball Annie of sorts. And she also becomes the love interest of both Crash and Lelouch, and in a way, a spiritual guide to both. So let's go and let's do, get a couple thoughts on the movie. So, I mean, we've all seen this movie a few times, but I know we just watched it recently. Well, what, are your, what are your quick thoughts on it right now? Let's, let's start with you, JR. It's a classic. I feel like the themes hold up in this movie. You have that feeling... You have the up-and-coming meeting, the person on their way down. You have a lot of different things. You have the small-town girl with the small-town ideas, small-town mentality. It'll never leave home. I feel like the movie is one you can watch over and over. Maybe once a year type of movie where you put some time in, maybe for ball season or a Sunday afternoon kind of movie where you're just going to put it on. Maybe it's the wintertime, football season ended, and you're looking for something to do on a Sunday afternoon. You can always throw on a Boulder movie, and it's never really going to let you down. You can have it on with some buddies. You can take it with you. It's a good bus movie. I've talked about that before. It's something you could just download and watch on a bus easy with some headphones in. Overall, pretty good, pretty awesome movie, I have to say. Yeah, yeah it's nice because of, uh, like some of those themes JR said, uh, it's a good one you can actually throw on with the misses as well. Uh, you you know, the love, the love scenes alone will keep her uh, somewhat interested while you uh, get a kick out of all the, uh, the debauchery that goes on with the baseball. I, I think it, uh, to me, it had been a while since I'd seen it. So going back and rewatching it was nice. I don't know if I'd rank it in my top 10 per se in terms of sports movies, uh, but it's definitely, it's definitely one you can rewatch over and over again um, just for the characters alone and some of the dynamics between them. Jammer? 
Yeah, as you guys know, baseball is my jam. Like, I live, breathe, sleep baseball. I love it. I, I, I always tell people I grew up in the wrong country or grew up in the wrong era. I should have I been in California or Florida. So I've got Bull Durham in my top five easily, and it, it'd be pushing for number one for me or up there. I know that's bold, but bold I just, I just think one. it's great. I think, I I think it. it's well done. I think it's accurate. I thought it was uh, the storyline holds up. As you mentioned, Webb, I think it's great. You can watch it with the uh, – you know, with the wife, uh, Jazz watched it with me last night. Even though she hates sports and sports movies and all of that stuff, uh, it's funny though. A couple of her favorite movies are Slap. Oh, Slapshot's one of her favorite movies, which is I find is hilarious. Classic. But that might have more to do with Paul Newman than an actual sports movie, but Man Riot. Uh, yeah, <laughs> just absolutely. a bit. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I love this movie. I think it's one of my favorites, so I'm excited we're doing it for our first first episode. Let's kick into a character review now. So. Unlike some other sports movies, this movie really kind of has three main characters that we see throughout the movie. We've got Crash Davis, played by Costner. We've got Nuke Lelouch, who's played by Tim Robbins, and Annie Savoy by Susan Sarandon. So sometimes, you know, you get a lot of other movies where there's so many characters it can be overwhelming, and they're all. a lot of times I feel like they're fighting for, for the screen. But I feel like this movie, they did it really well. They kind of focused it on three ones. So let's, let's start out with Crash Davis. What are your thoughts on Crash? Crash Davis is a character in a movie like this you have to have. You need the grizzled veteran on his way down who's jaded, has experienced a lot of things, and in a strange way, to me, he passes on his knowledge. He doesn't do it in a conventional way. He does it in a strange way, but you see his messages getting across. Uh, he also seems to me like a guy who's a little bit lost because he doesn't know what to do. He's stuck in that rut. He's aging. What's left for him at the end and that realism is starting to kick in that he can't play a child's game forever. Yeah, he's definitely your prototypical man's man, so to speak. Uh, you know, I don't know how well he would translate to this 2020 cancel or cancel culture era, but uh, <laughs> he, he definitely, uh, you know, he's your he's your steak and potatoes kind of guy. Uh, you know, right from the get go, when we're kind of first introduced to him there in the coach's office, uh, he, he's got some great one liners. Uh, the the Bull Durham credo, if you will, where he gives his his speech uh, to uh, to both Nuke and, and Susan Sarandon there in one of the first scenes in the movie, uh, really kind of just speaks to what kind of character he is. Uh, I do think you're right. I mean, he is the focal point of the movie, but I think you you definitely need uh, the balance between him and, and Nuke. Um, and uh, the the comedic uh, presence that he brings alone, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about this later on. But some of his line one liners uh, when they're having those pitching duels, you know, they they just crack me up. Uh, so I mean, he's a total he's a total win for the movie for sure. Uh, and I think they picked the right guy to play him. You know, I, we had talked a little bit about this leading up to this about some of the different guys they may have cast. I don't know how well somebody else could have done this. I don't know if I could see somebody other than Kevin Costner kind of doing this role. Um, although it would have been kind of tried, it would have been funny to see somebody like Tom Cruise or or uh, or John Candy or I don't know who else was big in the '80s back then. But try to pull off this character. I don't know if you you could do that. You get a nice kind of feel of. Uh, of realism with that he he is this kind of guy in real life. A little bit of that uh, that attitude. His baseball, his love of baseball shines through in this movie. For sure. He's a natural. Like, I, I just feel he's a, he's so natural in the role. It's not yeah. like, he, you, don't, you don't feel like he's acting. He's just kind of letting it, letting it fly. And he has, a, he has a baseball background. I mean, he went to Cal State Fullerton, but he didn't play ball there. And that's obviously a big baseball school. But apparently he was a, a pretty big star in high school in California. 
Um, and he's, you know, been in what, three, at least three baseball moves. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of the game and Bull Durham. Like he's, he's a natural in that role. I think he had it. And I think he had a pretty good swing. Like, uh, he's, he's actually a, a natural switch hitter. So you see him in the movie hitting switch Notice hit. that. I think he's got a better swing from the right side. It, it just, it looks more like a, a more fluid power swing from the right side. I think the left side, he looked like he was a little bit more on his front foot, maybe a front foot hitter. See, I wondered that from the left side, I think it was his first AB, he was batting left and the self-talk going up Yeah, and things like that. That swing was a little bit forced left-handed. Yeah. I wonder if they're doing that for camera angles. Yeah. Or something like that. Because I noticed that too. I'm like, he's coming up lefty. I'm like, I thought Coster bats right. Does he come, when he's in the cage with Sarandon, is he hitting left or right? I can't remember. Right. He's, he's hitting, hitting from right the right hand side. Yeah. the other side of it. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, he's got a pretty good cut when he's there in the cages. So Yeah. Apparently he is a switch hitter, but I think he's, his mm. dominant side would be the right side. He just has, he seemed to have more power, more balance there. He was yeah. more on the front foot when he was swinging from the left side, I thought. It makes sense. Bats right, throws right. That's a very normal combo. Usually, right. you know, that left-handed swing, you can tell it just wasn't the same. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, I, I remember reading somewhere that he was one of the guys that kind of did all his own stunts. So when you see the catcher, when it's Kevin Costner supposed to be the catcher uh, thrown behind the plate, or sorry, Crash Davis, it's actually it's actually Costner. Like he's snapping throws down to, you know, down to third. A couple like BBs that. to third base. Here's the only thing sometimes with him. I'm like, as a catcher? He's a little small. Yeah. He's a little small to be a catcher. You can tell this guy probably wasn't, but that yeah, was the only thing. thing too, he, was, he was dropping down signs with, with a runner on second, and he's just like just putting the old two fingers down. I mean, yeah. you got you to mix that up. <laughs> he wasn't bit. going second sign, third sign, fourth sign, whatever, and he <laughs> wasn't deuce. switching it up. He just kept giving it down. I noticed that, too. I'm like, uh, I, don't I don't know, know if that, that was done on purpose so that like maybe viewers can follow it easier. I don't know. But. I wondered if it was for... If you really look into it, because Nuke is so out there, that he might just be one Maybe of those guys that you're just like, just put it down. And right. hopefully, because he throws so hard, that he'll just be in the person anyway. Yeah. A guy like Costner plays by the code, or Crash plays by the code. So if you're stealing, he's just going to have you beamed anyway. Because yeah. the Lush didn't have a clue where he was going. As is seen when he has him throw at the bull. <laughs> that was hilarious. Uh, okay, let's do a real-life comparison. Who, who is Crash Davis? Who can you compare him to? Doesn't have to be a player now. Could be a you know a player from prior that that sticks out for you. But who do, who does he rep- who who's similar to him as like as far as like a baseball player goes? Yeah, I think we had talked a little bit about this before. Uh, for me, anyways, other than having the big wad of uh, chew in the side of his his cheek there, uh, he he kind of reminds me of a Pat Borders. I love for that. all you Jays fans out there. Yep. Uh, you know, kind of that same classic uh, go to catcher. Kind of just, you know what you're getting behind the plate. Pretty solid all around. Has a decent bat. I don't think he would hit as many dingers maybe as uh, Crash Davis did. Mind you, those are all in the minors. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you kind of you kind of know what you're getting every day. He's reliable. Um, that That's kind of who first person that came to me. And he kind of does look like Costner a little bit if you did the comparison maybe. Yeah, yeah that's a World Series MVP. That is it a World is. Series MVP. A good game. You, know, you, you think of the pitchers yep. that he handled on, the, on that staff. Oh. I mean, he's got... Jack Morris, he's got a young Juan Guzman. <laughs> Crazy Stoudemire. Yeah, he, he's got a David Wells. Of catchers. You think of the guys <laughs> in the pen on that staff, too. They're just all over the map, right? Like, he, he did a hell of a job. Ward and Hanky through gas. Yeah. Border shout out. Andy Nor was out there. Ed Sprague. Sprague played a little Ed bit. Ed Sprague caught a little bit back in the day. Yeah. You think about a Guzman, like, that guy threw hard oh, and yeah. had no clue where it was going. No. He absolutely. threw so hard. Very, very nuclearish. Very oh. nuclearish. And how did Borders never have, like, his chew go down his throat? I guess good question. It blows my mind. Yeah, he had a huge wad in there all the time. 
another another guy crash sticks out for me uh, is Jason Kendall. He's he's yeah. an interesting choice. Absolutely, Kendall didn't have necessarily the same amount of pop, but he was uh, the way he he's kind of got that grumpiness to him. The way he's, he's an old school guy, the way he handles the staff, the presence he had, and I read Kendall's book too, which was really great. If you haven't done that, you should give it a chance. But uh, he, after reading that, especially too, about he's all about the code and all the different ins and outs of the game. But I thought there was a lot of Jason Kendall and Crash Davis as well. I had Kendall. Kendall's a good pick. That was somebody I thought of as well. I have two. I have David Ross or Charlie O'Brien. Ooh, yeah. Those you have like a David picks. Ross. That guy can handle his staff. Yeah. He was renowned. He Crash can hit better than David Ross. But that idea of being like, this is a bad cliche, but the field general. Yeah. Charlie O'Brien and David Ross were field generals. They were in charge of the whole show. They were the manager on the field. I like. I mean, term. if you look at David Ross, there wasn't a guy that didn't want to throw to him. Even the National League, the pitcher didn't care if his bat was questionable because he was so good at handling a pitcher that, for example, Lester, he's going to give up two runs anyway or less. It's happening. This comes from a Cardinal fan who he's torched as a Cub. It's happening, and Ross is going to just guide you right through this. Look, If you look at his dossier, I mean, with the socks, same idea. Grandpa Ross. Same, Grandpa Ross. And then he makes a great coach. Or if you look at Charlie O'Brien, that's a journeyman guy. But then he goes, and the Braves lock on to him. Javi Lopez is back up. There's a reason he stuck around with a staff like that in the mid-'90s. He's doing something right. Right. I like so that. So those are the two that kind of stuck out. Great I picks. thought Kendall. But here's the only di- Kendall. Here's where I take Kendall just a little tougher than Crash. Crash wears batting gloves. Don't oh, like Crash oh, wearing batting gloves. Good point. Good Crash point. is a non-batting glove guy. He like Kendall. Be. Yeah. Crash is a grab the sand, rub your hands, and walk to the plate kind of guy. That's a good That's point. That's true. Yeah, that would That's have been another, a nice touch to do for the character, I think. That's yeah. a good point. Really it's good point. A, the idea of a batting glove, even under his glove, he had a batting glove on. I'm like, I don't know about that. Like Kendall or it's Pat good. Board. Pat, Pat Borders wore them. Those guys are hard, though. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. But I mean, Borders. I mean, he is catching Nuke, and Nuke's supposed to be throwing gas. So he's throwing. That's true. Nuke Uh, does have a fantastic T-shirt collection as well. Oh my god! And that's that's a perfect segue. Let's get into Nuke now. Let's get into uh, Tim Robbins and uh, as uh, Abby Calvin, Nuke Lelouch. What are our thoughts there? I have the quote from Costner: "Was a million dollar arm, five cent brain." Yeah, that's a pretty relatable quote into modern day people. Absolutely, there's talent everywhere. You can comb the streets and find people that throw hard. But can you put the whole package together? To me, Nuke is your six foot five stud who goes in the first round. Yeah. He is a pitcher out there. He that tall, big dude who throws gas. Those yeah. people get drafted. Now you need help, but in like a combine or any type of practice, he would blow your mind. For He's sure. He's throwing BBs out there. For sure. I I think it's great, too. I, th- I think the way that he played the character was great, too. He was so, like, goofy and aloof. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it, he was probably... He probably just got drafted. He was probably 18 or 19, and he's starting out... They they, they said it was a professional debut, so he's starting out in, in A-ball, right? So he comes in. He's kind of that, got that goofy demeanor. I mean, that's what you'd have. You'd have some kid out of Indiana or wherever he came from mm-hmm. doing that. I thought I thought that he played the character really well, Uh 
and the you know he's going i'm the one who's driving a porsche with a quadraphonic blah you know like that that white jacket he keeps wearing like stop wearing oh your God. white jacket yeah <laughs> major league debut and he's got quite the warm-up for getting ready to get in there get his arm nice and warm <laughs> <laughs> three minutes till t- take the mound there nope i love when he's like what i'm ready <laughs> i'm there <laughs> and then he goes out in the mound he throws one in the press box yeah and then then he does the thing where he's touching his shoulder to the catcher going like <laughs> did, I, did i mix the sign up it's like yeah no i i i actually wanted you to throw it in the press box there that's what that sign was yeah. sure. hey, get him guessing hey eh? <laughs> the only thing with that with tim robbins that uh, was his uh he, nuke had a horrible delivery his mechanics were atrocious i mean I, I, I saw it right i'm like what is it's like the it's valenzuela like, look away with like I don't know what delivery that is. His release point was like behind his body. Like it was like all like, oh, every pitch would have gone like right into the sky. I guess that's what happens when you breathe through your eyelids. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. His rotator cuff would be destroyed in a game. It's yeah. gone. He would have no. He had rotator. no balance coming off Nothing. the mound too. He was like he was all over the mound. But part of that's funny too. Like right, you know, he kind of had the Eddie Harris. <laughs> From oh. Major League. That, that's like a young Eddie Harris from Major League. Like maybe when back in the day when Eddie Harris threw gas or something. When he was back in his quote prime. Wild thing before he got his glasses. <laughs> yeah. Well, the funny thing too, and we'll get into a little bit later on too, is that Charlie Sheen was tabbed to play this role, but he had another movie. I think he might have been shooting Platoon or something at the time. That Couldn't would make sense. Cocktail, yeah. any of those movies One might have been right around then. Yeah. And uh, um, so, and Charlie Sheen was a, kind of a, you could tell in Major League he had a great delivery. So, I mean, Mm-hmm. But I don't think Sheen plays that role the way I, I liked him the way Tim Robbins played the role. You got to have that kind of goofy thing where a guy like Crash is like, I'm going to knock this guy out. Like, this guy's driving me nuts. Yeah, it helps that he's like physically tall and lanky and kind of goofy looking to begin with. Right. I mean, you, you contrast him with, you know, that and then what he ends up doing in Shawshank Redemption years later. And you're kind of blown away at the two diff- the difference between the two characters and how good of an actor this guy really is. So. Absolutely. Here's one thing I'm not going to lie to you, what I thought when I saw Tim Robbins. How did he as Merlin fit in the back of a reel of an F-14 ton catch? He's 6'5". <laughs> He's 6'5". <five. laughs> yeah, There's no way with five. legs like that. You're no. fitting in the back of an F-14 ton catch. His knees would be by his ears. Like, <laughs> he barely got cougar back to the aircraft carrier. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow. Like, All right, real life comparison. Who do we got? Ooh. For Nuke, I have Kyle Farnsworth. Ooh, that's a good one. Quirky, yeah, yeah. big, I, tall. I do agree. I I don't think he plays as a starter in the majors. I think he's going to end up in the bullpen. Um, I mean, I don't know where. He, first of all, he got called up from he got called up from A ball to the majors. That's a little bit off. Like usually, you got to play in Double A before you. Like there's got lots of guys going from Double A to the majors. Not many guys go from. A ball. Single A. Yeah. Double A is good baseball. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, keep in mind, we're talking this movie's late 80s, and he apparently throws 95, 96. So yeah, maybe he's when a, starters through 89. Yeah, he, he would have serious gas. And it good was point. a September call-up, so maybe, you know, they're expanding the rosters. He might not even play when he goes up. He might just be, they might be out of the race, and he mm-hmm. might, he maybe gets a couple innings out of the bullpen, but maybe he's there to just get the experience. For sure. So who knows? Uh, he did get a haircut when he went up, though. He definitely did. Wicked tease, as you said, Webb. Fantastic cliche as well. 
Motley Crue and the the Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden, Motley Crue, Bradford University, I think it is, or Bradley University. What's the last one he had on it? The Fishbone. The Fishbone. What is what is that? I don't know. I I don't I I don't know what the reference is. I'd have to look it up to be quite honest with you. I just thought it was hilarious. He was was rocking another fantastic T shirt. What a T. What a T. Yeah. What a T. I think he's kind of like a like a Mark Wallers to me. He's got. You know, Ooh. just gas, but not a lot of control. I don't know. Like, uh, well, he's a two pitch pitcher, right? He's either an eighth or a ninth guy with yeah. uh, he's two pitches. Uh, I'd rather he'd have a slider than the curveball, but I mean, if he's throwing gas, that curve's going to throw them off because it's so much slower. But he needs a curve with heat like that. Yeah, slider's too close. It, yeah. It's too. Yeah, that's a good point. I can't see him being a starter. I mean, I know they make him a starter in the movie, but he just seems like he's a setup closer kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, based on what he throws. I don't know. I, I mean, he also, because he's so quirky um, and he's so kind of out there, but kind of full of himself, like uh, my first my first gut reaction was uh, Brett Cecil. And that's because of a, a terrible story that uh, took place in one of our many debauchery trips to the, the Dome to see the Jays. But uh, what was the guy's name? Brian, was it Brian Wilson, the quirky guy with the, with beard, the beard? And, yeah. and, and yeah. he yeah, that's kind of who comes to mind for me, kind of somebody who kind of do it their own way and uh, and not really uh, care about what anybody else has to say, even though when guys are trying to help him. Like, mm. that that kind of strikes mm. me as what Brian Wilson did back then, right? Like, That's he had point. all the talent in the world, but wasn't really willing to listen to uh, some of those guys. You know, he had a fantastic manager in Bruce Bochy. He just, he struck me as a guy that didn't really listen very well. He had an easy job with that staff. Kane, Baumgartner, uh, who else was on that staff? I think Romo was one of the closers. Sergio Romo, Romo? Uh, Sergio, Sergio Romo, Romo. yeah. They had yeah. some studs. They Baumgartner pitching every second game for a couple of years. And, yeah. and going complete here. games. Former yeah. Augusta uh, Green Jacket. Was he? Yeah, he was there when I was playing in, uh, in the East Coast. Like, yep. Is he, the, he's the one who got hurt he, on the dirt he, bike? Didn't he get hurt on riding the dirt bikes? Yeah. I think he did. He got that hurt sounds riding familiar, dirt yeah. bikes or something like that. Yeah, so yeah. Because <laughs> there, there was some controversy, and they were like, are you going to prevent him from doing that? And they're like, well, no, because he's tough, and he'll probably tell us to beat it. <laughs> and he can hit. Oh, yeah, he's great. Baumgartner can mash. Yeah, yeah Baumgartner can like mash. It All right, so, Annie. Let's talk about Annie Savoy. So, um, I'm going to go on this one. Annie Savoy is somebody who's necessary. She's small town and has accepted it. But she's necessary to make you a pro. She teaches you in her weird way how to be a pro. To me, like she tried to calm Nuke down and slow him down. Because Nuke's always revving at 7,000 RPMs. And through her ways, she's trying to use her and Walt Whitman to slow Nuke down, so to speak. Call him a nuclear meltdown. Yeah. Are we going to go? Are we going to do this or what? <laughs> I mean, his nickname just, uh, was the right one for him and she was a choice. To me, she's very important. And she's one of those people that teaches you how to be a professional. Yeah, I don't know how this movie works without uh, a character like her. Uh, you, you need her to help uh, bridge bridge the gap, I guess, for, uh, for your viewers in terms of... Uh, uh, the the love interest as well as the baseball, but also uh, to to bring the relationship together for uh, Costner and, and Robbins as well. I think she's pivotal in in kind of not only playing them off each other, but also bringing them together. Um, so you know, I think you have to have her. I don't know if again thinking about somebody who else might have played her. I don't know if you could have anybody but Susan Sarandon. Now I can't envision someone else playing that role and i know that's kind of a cliche thing to say but i really couldn't picture anybody else doing it 
No, I agree with that. You need... She does better acting than you think in that movie. Yeah, she's got that, like, suave sophistication, but she definitely also has that kind of, like, sex appeal thing as well, mm-hmm. especially back then, right? Like, she, she would have been... I don't know how old she is. We'd have to look that up, but... She's 42 at the time. 42 at the time. That's pretty good for 42. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And definitely, uh, definitely, uh, you know, she 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 plays the character extremely well. So, you know, I, I think it was a hundred percent necessary. Um, and I and I think you know it was really good to have her too in com- uh, contrast to uh, Millie, yes. right? To to yes. have that kind of protege, town bicycle, if you will, with uh, <laughs> town bicycle with oh. with the Maserati in, in the garage, I guess. Yeah. To absolutely. me, she's like I said, the protege in training. Yeah, she's like uh, the next version. She's being taught, teaching her Millie, guess how to. Apparently, apparently there was a lot of a lot of people that wanted the role. I think um, I th- we talked a little bit about uh, before. Kelly McGillis was really interested in playing the role, and she had just come off of Top Gun a couple of years prior. She would have been great. Like, I think she I think she would have done it well as, as as well. But I think Susan Sarandon had that. Uh, you, you mentioned Webb. There's just something about her that I thought the accent, the way she, you know, her mannerisms, it was great. And There's, apparently the director, uh, not not the directors, that was Ron Shelton. Ron Shelton really liked her, but the produ- one of the producers or whatever wanted to go with somebody younger. And uh, and Ron Shelton had a vision, and he basically convinced Susan to go into this producer's office wearing a tight-fitting dress and kind of lean over his desk for a while, and apparently that's what kind of sold them on the idea. So she she pulled it off, and I thought she did an awesome job. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she's definitely got that uh, maturity factor that that uh, Kelly wouldn't have. That's for sure. Yeah, Charlie, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> well, that might be a good segue into our, uh, our our man rocket slash leading lady evaluations. So let's let's kick that off. Like, what do we got? What do we got here? We got Costner in the lead. What's Costner, I took put some thought on this. Costner is he, he's handsome. a good, handsome guy in this show. He's not trying. He's one of those guys who's handsome, but he's not even trying to be handsome. Sick flow. Yeah, sick flow. Linen pants. On, linen though. pants with the pleats. He's got that green jacket, great sunglasses. Every <laughs> time you see him, he has he's great ripping sunglasses. around in the convertible. Come on! But he's not trying. That's true. Yeah. He's not trying. He's just got that rugged, jaded. Where you're like, this guy's been around. He's the only he's guy grizzled. that can pull off like my dad receding hairline haircut and like make it look really good you know like he had the yeah. he had the receding hairline mullet that was kind of disheveled like what uneven in the back but he he kills it like he kills that mullet not a muscle to him either no no and he's got that like kind of that that bad boy demeanor too you know like susan sarandon's probably thinking like oh i can change him at the beginning and then all of a sudden he's like no nah. he gives her the credo and he he gets out of there and she's totally uh She's totally enthralled with him right from that get-go. Right? Absolutely. He's got that attitude. He's got the, He always looks like he's had a few too many beers the yeah. night before. You know? yeah. He looks a little leathery. Swagger. A little leathery, yeah, for sure. Yeah. He's smarter than you think, though, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's not the dumb baseball player catcher that you think he is. Most catchers are pretty intelligent. Yeah. yeah so field I, general. They're I think he's a general. legit man rocket. For, he's, he's up there as sports movie man rockets, I think. He's baseball's Reg Dunlop. Yeah, I'll say it because he's baseball's Ooh. Red Dunlop. If you me. think it, if you think of like you got Jake Taylor, Tom Berenger, he was a good man, Rocket, but he's similar too. Like they both have that kind of. He might, he's a little bit more polished because he's in majors, yeah. and he wears like a nice jacket and a suit jacket, and things like that. He's a better player. Yeah, yeah. Jake Taylor's a better player to me than Crash. Less selfish too. 
It's yeah. true. Crash is a little bit more selfish. Not as self destructive. No, but that's he true. is self destructive, but he's not as self destructive. Tom Berenger's got that curly mullet, you know? Yeah. That's wicked. Yeah. Like he's got that, he's rocking good flow in that. And oh. you have him in mind from Platoon, too. That yeah. is a guy you don't Tom. mess with. You Tom. don't mess with it. Yeah. Berenger's a good actor. He's a good I like Berenger. him. Stud. He is a stud, too. Let's be yeah. real. I don't think we put, uh, I, I don't know if Tim Robbins is really man rocking. I don't really no. have him up there. I don't not know. at all. No. No, he's just goofy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he plays the part so well. I don't know if you can put him up as a man rocket no, in this Crash particular case. Crash calls him a pretty boy at one point. I don't think he's even there. I don't think he's a pretty boy either. The only thing he can do is goofy. dance. He can that dance. He can dance. He can oh dance. My God. He can dance. But that that dancing that though won't. elevates you. That takes him from a six to six and a half seven for sure. Absolutely, it does. Yeah. That that may seal the deal. Yeah. Yeah, he's got some moves. Like, and he's going to the big leagues. And he's going to the big leagues. And he's got that puffball haircut. It's hilarious. Yeah. But overall, he looked like he I just showed up in a convertible wherever he went. He has a Porsche <laughs> with, a, with a quadraphonic bop bop. <laughs> he totally talks about it like every five seconds. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think we talked already a lot about Annie. I think obviously she was oh. she was wicked. She's sexy, beautiful. Woman. She's a beautiful woman. Yeah, and then you got Millie. I don't know. Millie's just annoying, you know. I like Millie. She's girl next door. She girl next door. That's been to all the houses on the she's block. been to a lot of doors but she's <laughs> she's a girl next door she has that southern persona her dad paid for the jumbotron or the scoreboard or something like i love that. when she's making it down the line of players and the one and she's like hi i'm millie and the one guy's like i'm married <laughs> <laughs> didn't he get released though like the next day yeah that's true <laughs> well her, remember her dad like bought the, the scoreboard yeah, the jumbo whatever it was out there that's right her dad bought the score maybe her dad didn't like that said so he's got to go he gone he gone. <laughs> it's very southern. All right, let's get into realism. All right. So let's talk about as far as sports movies go, and we're gonna you know talk about realism. Like, did were the baseball scenes real for you? Was the strategy in the games was uh, you know the the story was it real to to a to what it could be? Like, is it is it a realistic movie as far as the plot goes, story goes? And what were the baseball scenes like? I'm going to largely defer to uh, to you guys on this one just because of your, your expertise. But I will say um, the one scene that I thought was hilarious and, and figure probably actually happens quite a bit is when uh, Crash tells him to throw it at the bull. He's got that like two two hit shutout going or whatever. And he, he tells him to throw it at the bull to scare the guy in the batter's box. Uh, I would think that that happens probably more often than not. So, you know, in that particular moment, I would give that scene probably a realistic. But I mean, obviously some of the stuff, you know, where he's... And maybe not tell- throwing it like at a bull, but maybe like throwing it... Yeah, throwing it up uh, high and in. Or, behind his ear or That's something. right. You know, yeah. giving him a little brush back. Um, the, the, the scenes where Crash is telling the opposing hitters what's coming. I mean, that's... I would hope that's not happening. From although that would explain a lot of what's going on with the Jays bullpen the last few years. But <laughs> that's Brett Cecil. Hey, there you go. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I would think that uh, in terms of realism, I don't know. I don't know how real this movie would be in terms of the baseball. But uh, like I said, I'll defer to you, Jr. Um, there are lots of things to me that are real about this. Like the self dialogue with each other. You're talking like Nuke talking to himself on the mound. Crash talking at bat. That happens. Well, for sure. That happens all the time. You're not saying, like, the it deuce happens. or the heater. You're not saying that. But when you have a catcher and he's putting fingers down and you don't want it, but you don't want to wave him off either, you are thinking that. And that's when that thinking aspect, they tell Newt to stop thinking. It's true. I you think have to that go would be in instinct. any sport, though. 
it's totally transferable. You can put it into your basketball, into golf. Yeah, start thinking sure in golf, golf and you're yeah. like, here we go. We were Mental playing golf midget. the other night talking about that. You start self-talking. I think some of the aspects are real with that. The mound visits, in some of my experience, believe it or not, I mean, the candlestick one's a little much, but I've been in some weird mound visits that we've not talked about baseball at all. I was in a mound visit one time. We were talking about painting. <laughs> my manager came out and he's like, I'm painting my house gray. And we're like, what? And I remember I was catching. I was like, okay, sure. We're painting your house gray. It, but somehow it just takes your mind out just of that for a second. Everybody up. And you're like, okay, now what do we need to do? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think they've done a decent job or they've tried with through self-dialogue and some of like the mental aspect to make it real. The actual scenes, not really, no. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. it's so hard in a sports movie to do that. But I think the aspects of baseball they have, there's one thing I wrote down in my notepad that the realism factor, 18 walks, 18 Ks is 126 pitches. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> I know it's the 80s, but you, if you have a young stud coming up, that's 126 pitches unto itself. No no, without, bo- no bullpens any, in the minors, nothing. apparently. Without Single any balls going along with those strikeouts. Nothing, yeah. That's just 126 flat-out pitches. Every strikeout has to be three pitches, and every walk has to be four pitches. Yeah. And like that's, that's 126. Yeah, that's So not he's right. into probably 200 pitches plus easily. Yeah. I've only ever seen this once. I play ball with one guy. He struck out 15 and walked 14. Yeah. And he was like 19 or 20. And I don't know how he did it. I mean, he's going to need, like, surgery when you're done at that many pitches. So I think some of the stuff is the aspects for real, long story short. Um, a lot of it was fake, too. I mean, you're trying. But the psych- psychological part to me, that's where I have fairly well done. Jamer? Yeah. No, I think that was great. Uh, one thing I think they really did well, and this is this is attributed to Ron Shelton, and we're going to get into his, uh, into his history later on, but... Um, one thing they did really well was with the regards to the levels and the miners and kind of how the business of the miners work. So when they picked up Crash, like you're talking about a guy that's played in the majors, he spent a lot of time in AAA, and he spent the start of this year in AAA, and he gets bought out and and picked up, basically sent down to single A. That stuff happens. Like you will see guys. You, it, it, based on maybe they're trying to groom a guy to become a manager. They've probably had the convers like the one thing that maybe would be different in real life would be they've had this conversation with Crash saying, You're getting older. We gotta start focusing on some of our younger players. We see a lot of potential in you as uh somebody that could be a manager or coach in our organization. So we're gonna we're gonna shift you more into a kind of a mentor role here. So that makes sense, like taking an, an older player and you've got a young pitcher, especially a catcher, and when you've got a young pitcher coming up and you're going to have somebody manage them. That That's realistic. Uh, the teams, obviously the Durham Bulls, that was, uh, that's a real team. The Asheville uh, Tourists, that's an actual, that was an actual team at that time. Uh, he talked about a kid coming up from Bluefield. That's, a, that's actually a rookie ball team. So, like, I thought all that stuff was really realistic in the – the whole business side of it, mm-hmm. I thought they nailed that really well, and that I think that comes from Ron Shelton having played in the minors and having that background. Yeah, for sure, that would make sense. Asheville's a nice town. It is. I've Asheville's been there, yeah. a nice town. It is beautiful. It's good oh, in the Appalachian Mountains. It's a very nice spot. It's know? legit. Uh, yeah, I think it goes back. I mentioned it earlier too. The only thing, I, other thing I had about Crash was just he seems small for a catcher. Yeah, he's just small it's to last that long as a pro. Yeah. It's a small catcher, 140, 150 games a year. He's grinding. And to provide that kind of power, 247 home runs or something as a switch-hitting catcher. That's a lot of jacks. That's a lot of jacks in the minor leagues. Yeah. No, I, I thought 
Yeah, I think overall, I think they did a good job with the realism. I know they did bring in a bunch of college players and former minor leaguers to do some of the scenes. There wasn't a lot of baseball scenes in it. Yeah, I was, was just used, thinking there wasn't a whole lot of like pressure cooker, like you know. No, it wasn't like major league where they would actually focus on a lot of different plays in the game. Yeah, this for one sure. Was usually just new pitching to crash. Mostly yeah. just that. It had a couple crashes at bats. Uh, there was a couple of ones where they, they turned a pretty nifty double play on the one play. I think the guy went behind his back or something. Oh, yeah. On yeah. When they showed them going on their When run. they were on their yeah. streak there, yeah. That was very well done. Yeah, yeah. they did a couple, so a couple of those scenes. You could tell those guys were ball players. They Totally. The their footwork. footwork. You know what I mean? Like all that stuff was, was on point. At second uh, base, when to went to the right part of the base, everything, yeah. he came in on a nice angle, how it's supposed to be. You're like, okay, this the one thing good. I really liked, too, was the, the superstition around that yeah. whole piece, right? Yeah. When, they're, when they're rubbing the chicken bones on the bat. Or, I would imagine that that's, pretty, that's still pretty accurate. I mean, we see that again in Major League and some of those other baseball movies down the road. But uh, for sure, I could see that still happening today whether it's you know garter belts or whatever you guys wearing different colored socks <laughs> little things like that for sure would probably be realistic to uh, to not only baseball but all sports you know it was a one thing i forgot to mention the realism and this stood out to me and i only noticed this later it's supposed to be summertime a couple night games you can see their breath yeah when they're talking you can see their breath because it's fall was it not when they're filming it so it's probably carolina in october it'd be getting chilly at night by then you can start to see their breath yeah. When Crash, it's a, I can't remember what the exact one, he comes out to talk to Nuke and he's talking to him and you see like, you see the breath coming out. I was like, yeah. okay, it's possible. It's not summertime. It's no, probably they, a chilly they, night. I was going to say. It in after, they shot it in, I think it was in October, November. Yeah. After, so Carolina would be getting chilly at night. Because Grady, right. Grady Little was the manager. In, uh, in, Grady uh, Little. Yeah. He was Tough the manager one, uh, of the Durham Bulls at that season, 1987 season. And, uh. He actually had a bit part in the movie. I can't remember what it was, um, but he was—he had a little bit part in it, like a, just a cameo, um, no speaking part or whatever. Remember, you left Pedro in to just go. Yeah, and you're like Grady. You're gonna—you could win the World Series here. Yeah, Grady would have had a, quite a career after that if he'd. Uh, he would have been Tito, yeah. essentially. Yeah, like take, he could have been their guy. Pedro out, get your bullpen, and they had a good bullpen. He was so year. deep in that game too. Yeah, and it was his third star, second third star of that series. He was gassed. Let's get into some of the quotes. Are, are there any? Quotes that stood out for you, any ones that were really memorable for you in that movie? One for me is, uh, remember when uh, Nuke just found out he got called up? So he's hanging out with his dad, he's over there, and he gets the call, and he finds out he's going to the majors. And then he goes to find Crash, and Crash Crash just got tossed from that game, so he's already, he's having a bad night, so he's at the, he's uh, hanging out at that pool, cool. drinking, he's, he's, you can tell he's in the bag when he, when he shows up there, and Crash is having one of his, uh, my career's almost over moments where he's down in the dumps, right? And then all of a sudden, Nuke's coming in and telling me he got called up. And he gives that speech to him and he says, do you know what the difference is mm-hmm. between hitting 250 and 300? And it's 25 hits. It's 25. It's a, and he goes, it's it's one extra hit a week. It was 25 weeks in the season, so it's one extra hit a week. It's a it's a dying quail. It's a it's a humpback line or, you know, like a, a ground ball with eyes. Like he's, I love that one. He says, it, and that's the difference between, you know, playing down here or playing at Yankee Stadium. I thought that was a really good quote. The quote I always heard years ago was, if you want to stay relevant or good, you need a bloop and a blast a day. So blast yeah. a double, blast home run, and bloop a bloop single, single over the first baseman's head, something. It yeah. still counts on your average. Right. The quote I had was actually from the same place. It was when he introduced – Nuke to the owner at 376 in Sandy Louisville. Grimes, yeah. Sandy Grimes. That's it. In Louisville, 376. I saw that as a way of like to nuke almost like letting them know this is how fast it can end on you. 
Yeah. Yeah, a little foreshadowing there. Exactly. Nice, nice artistic choice. I mean, there may, I'm going to go out on a limb here. There may have been a little bit of racism as why Sandy Grimes didn't make it. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Just going to go out on a limb Especially there. the time, yeah, the time, the window, because 376, Louisville's usually at least AAA. It used to be Cardinals AAA yeah. team. That's high, I'm, good I'm sure baseball. it's a AAA team. Sandy Grimes, at that time, he looked like he might have been in his 50s. And we're talking 80, 87? 87, 88. So, I mean, we were talking about he he would have been in the era where maybe it wasn't quite segregated yet or they, or, you mm-hmm. know, they did have mm-hmm. some yeah. uh, black players in the minors. But. but did you not? I saw it as a way, like, you're in a pool hall. Yeah. This is how fast it can go on you. You can, yeah, you can sure. be from where you are to here. That quick. Yeah. And so it's a warning sign, right? Exactly. That was a great, a great one, for sure. I mean, in terms of quotes from the movie, a Crash has all the best ones, I think. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, the favorite one for me is the one about uh, the strikeouts are boring. Besides that, they're fascist, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> it, it really. I mean, it, what's great about it is number one, it's hilarious. Number two, it really again goes back to kind of speaking into uh, to truth the idea that Nuke's not really a team guy yet, yeah. and he's got to he's got to realize that he's a team guy, and then that kind of sparks the whole like, all right, I'm going to be abstinent, and I'm I'm going to stay away from Annie for a while and, and all that kind of piece. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that to me is one of my favorites. He's um, teaching him how to pitch. He's, he's teaching him not only how to pitch, but how to be a pro and how to be a good teammate. It's true. Yeah. Right. So I like good that one. Quote. I like the, I like the two scenes too, where, uh, Nuke, Nuke shakes him off. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious. He's like, this guy's throwing a two hit shadow and he's shaking me off. Charlie, here comes the deuce. And when you speak of me, speak of me well. I got a lot of that. <laughs> or the stewardess. Yeah. I held, party. I held it like an egg. Yeah, and he scrambled the son of a bitch. Look at that. He hit the fucking ball. Get a, gets a free steak. <laughs> he hit the ball. <laughs> that's, that's as minor league as it gets. He yeah. hit the ball. <laughs> you told him I was the old, the old the Yardman Arena. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it was oh, classic. Funny. And then, and, then, uh, and then Nuke's like, don't think, just throw. And then don't think. Throughout. The meat reference that's been around for a long time. Oh yeah, I've, I've heard meat a lot. All right, meat, yeah, meat, meat, meat. Yeah, you're just that's like, a baseball reference. You're just chirping sure. the pitcher the whole time. But when he's walking up to the plate, and he's like, "Throw me that whatever you know, whatever meat." And you're like, eh, "I don't see that a ton." Usually, you're gonna get one around your ear if you walk up. Usually, like, that. oh yeah, <laughs> like oh, it's yeah. coming. I love the one uh, little thumbs down. Love talked about the bench. His, uh, shower shoes too. Oh, yeah. his shower shoes have fungus on them. <laughs> You'll be you, if you do that when you win twenty games, you'll be considered quirky or something. Yeah, you'll be colorful. Yeah, until yeah. you do that, until you win twenty in the show, you're a slob in that greasy locker room. Yeah, can we can we say the most ridiculous scene in the movie though has got to be? And I just I literally laughed at how silly it was. Was when the the manager throws a temper tantrum in the shower. He calls him out. His like pathetic <laughs> attempt. His pathetic attempt to throw the baseball bats in at them. Like he could barely lift the bin off the ground. Who calls everyone yeah. into the shower? Yeah. Yeah. Why well, are we like just stay sit down and don't touch your gear? Well, Hang on. That's, that's funny. And like we didn't we didn't really talk about secondary characters in the movie, but one of my favorite characters uh, in the movie was uh, Larry Hawking or Hockett Hawking or Hockett, who's played by um, Robert Wool. Is it Wool or Wool? Wool, Wool. Yeah, Arliss. I don't know. He's been in everything. We'll call him Arliss. Secondary secondary character <laughs> in everything. He was awesome for me. Hilarious. I thought he was great. Like that, he's that a cliche movie. machine. Yeah. He's, oh, for sure. He's doing that that talking to Dougie. You you used to talk about it all the time, Jr. Like playing baseball. Oh no no, here we go now no, here we come now. It's just noise. <laughs> You're like, what are you talking? It's usually it's just nervous noise, and he's always the guy who's just chewing seeds constantly. 
I love it too. And he's like, yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's not breathing out of his left eyelid. It's a, it's an old Mayan thing. And then the other guy on the bench, who has like two lines in the movie, he's like, Aztec. Yeah. He's then like, he's yeah. reading the book at the end. Yeah. He's reading the book about yeah. at the end, and you're yeah. like, oh, that's funny. He's he's Daniel Stern in uh, whatever that other baseball movie Rookie is, of Rookie of the Year, when yeah. he's locked in the cage with the seeds. He's that oh, guy. hot ice. Yeah. He's the hot ice. Guy. Hey, hot ice. Yeah. Eat yeah. the ice cubes. <laughs> that's what's his name? Home Alone guy. Yeah, Daniel Stern. Marv or whatever his name is. That was awesome. That's um, funny. I'm going to dive into a few uh, little-known facts here. So we talked, we've talked, we talked, kind of brushed around Ron Shelton, the director, writer and director. Um, well, he's a former minor league baseball player, so it makes sense that there's a lot of realism in this movie, or a lot of, especially when it comes to like the the culture and the life, especially away from the field. So he was drafted in the 39th round of the 1966 MLB draft by the Baltimore Orioles. Um, so he, he's ba- based it on basically. Six, uh, five minor league seasons from 67 to 71. He topped out in Rochester Triple A. Uh, he stole 32 bags in single A Stockton in 1969. He's a 251 career hitter in, uh, across the minors. Not bad. And uh, was a teammate of Don Baylor, Bobby Gritch, and Johnny Oates in the minors. That's some pretty legit baseball. Johnny Oates, the manager. Yeah, he was a manager at Orioles. He was, was a he beauty not? manager. He Remember was that a stash he had. Oh yeah, you kind did remind mess. me like Jimmy Leland a little bit, guys like that. That was a power mustache. It was. You think Jimmy Leland smoked a few darts in his time? He might have had a couple, just a few. Couple darts. Jim Leland? No, he didn't smoke. No, <laughs> not at all. What a great manager, though. Great guy. Stud. So Russell, uh, sorry, Kurt Russell, uh, who's also a, fo- a former minor league ball player, uh, he helped Shelton with uh, with the script. I guess he consulted a little bit on the script in this at the time while they were writing it. He was. It was kind of pegged that he was going to play Crash, but something happened. I think he had another movie he got committed to or whatever, and he had to turn it down. Um, so originally, though, they would have had. I think Russell would have done a good job too. He, oh yeah, he would have fit that role well. A former baseball guy, like I think that would have been. Uh, you want so to talk about a guy who can grow a mustache? Kurt Russell. Oh, he can grow a nice stash, especially what was it Tombstone? That's why Tombstone. Oh, that's why say don't get Jr. going on White Earp and Tombstone. Uh, that's why Earp. Tombstone. So, Susan, Susan Saran and. Who's 12 years older than Tim Robbins. They met. This is where they met. They were married for like 22 years or something. They were? Yeah. I didn't even know that. They were married for 22 years. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. So they've had a lot. Yeah, they have a couple kids together. Really? 22 years. They, yeah, they were married. I think they split up in like 2009. But yeah, they met on this. You know uh, what's ironic? What's up? How you have like him and Susan Sarandon getting married. Then you have Kurt Russell, Goldie Hawn. I don't know. That's a. Yeah. It's not kind of not kind of cool. like. It is kind of cool. It is like, cool. Oh, that's neat. So there, there was a funny scene. I, I don't know if people picked up on this, but during the conversation between Crash and Nuke on the team bus, there's a. They have a newspaper out on on uh, where they they're sitting there yeah. having a beer or whatever, and on the sports page it, it has a headline reading "Hard Hit and Witten," and at the time of the movie 1987, Mark Witten was a top prospect for the Toronto Blue Jays in the South Atlantic League, and he made the, the league's All-Star game, so they had an article in there. Mm-hmm. So apparently Mark Witten, um, he didn't actually catch it when he went and saw this movie in the theater. It wasn't until all his buddies were razzing him about it uh, in the locker room that he, he he went back and watched it when it came out on rental, and, and then he picked it up then. But yeah, it was, How awesome was is that? Cool. That I you're remember. actually in the in there as Mark yeah. Witten, who was a legit... We he, talked, we've talked about this for years. Hit, man. That guy was streaky. I, I had his rookie card, and obviously he came up with the Jays. So I remember following him when he was coming up, and he could mash. Like, I, I think he had a record in the major leagues for a while. I think he had four home runs in a game and maybe, like, 12 RBIs. He was a Cardinal when he did that in a doubleheader. Yeah, He hit what it was, literally yeah. 12. He, like, I don't remember exactly what it was in he RBIs. Was he but was in a, Oh, big time. And then the Jays had uh, 
at the time too, Glenn Allen Hill and Mark Witten. Yes. They were if they were supposed to be their studs in the Glenn Allen Hill could mash. Glenn Allen Hill was he legit. Could. I think he still coaches. He was yep. I saw him in Colorado a little while back. He's definitely involved with something. Oh um, yeah. So apparently the original title of the film was The Player to Be Named. Well, that was, that's a pretty good title. Maybe a bit wordy, but I thought it was a good title. It's a good title to me, but Bull Durham, because it's so synonymous with the minor leagues. Yes. The Durham Bulls, I mean, I've watched the Durham Bulls play baseball down yeah. in Syracuse. They some great teams. And I literally have gone with them to just say I saw the Durham Bulls play minor league baseball. They're iconic, yeah. They're an iconic team. You look at minor league baseball teams, There's, yeah. there is a few of them. Like the Durham Bulls, uh, St. Paul Saints were pretty well known as a minor league team. I think other famous minor league baseball teams, but there's a few out there where you're like, okay, Pawtucket, that's a famous minor oh, yeah. league baseball team. Absolutely. You know, Columbus yeah. Clippers or teams like that. Those are well-known minor league baseball teams. Yeah. You you mentioned the book uh, earlier. So that book that Robert Wool's character, Larry Hockett, is reading during the rainout mm-hmm. uh, near the end of the film, it, it's called uh, Mayan Wisdom Made Easy. That's it. And I remember the funny thing is, it, it's, like, not is a, great. it's a fictitious book. Like, it's not an actual book. They no, just put it in there. But it was neat because it was just kind of in a scene. It wasn't the focus of the scene. But it was just like a little thing there. Like, if you're going to pick it up, it's it's an extra chuckle. That's right? good writing, though. That's good When writing. you start to add that stuff in when you're watching, you're like, that's good writing hey, because <laughs> it shows the person who's actually paying attention where you're like, ha And maybe in a room of 10 people, five get it, but five are like, that's perfect. Yeah. yeah. So before... Uh, Costner got the role for Crash. I'm going to throw out a couple of names that were uh, offered the role. All right. So Jeff Bridges. The dude. Dude. Uh, Don Johnson. Miami Vice fame. Yeah. Super cool, though. Bruce Willis. Cool. Yeah, pretty cool. Yippee-ki-yay. Nick Nolte before before he hit the the skids. Early Nick Nolte? Early Nick Nolte. 80s Nick Nolte. 80s Nick Nolte. So he was like 48 hours Nick Nolte. Yeah. Okay, okay. Not bad, not bad. But how about these two? Now... Arnold Schwarzenegger and <laughs> Okay, we're talking 87 Arnie and 87 Stone. Those guys had more roids in them than... So they're 10 years than, late, or early, 10 years early, sorry. They got more roids in them than the 1990s Texas Rangers. Like <laughs> These guys, can you imagine that? Like, you couldn't get any gear to fit these guys. Arnold... How how small would the bat look in Arnold's hands at and, that time? And Arnie Arnie's got that accent. He's never he can't get rid of the accent. So you've no. got to figure out how you're going to make this catcher in Austria from Austria. Like and not just born in Austria. This guy was ra- like he oh he's proper Austrian and yeah. he's so jacked. It's not believable that he's going to be a minor league catcher. I'm no. sorry. Stallone's five four. Yeah. <laughs> five three. Like come and on. This is after Stallone got some work too. So you remember him like Tango Ca- Tango and Cash, and he's all like he doesn't look like he did in Rocky. He's like. He's had some work done on his face. He looks like yeah. uh, a ho- he looks like a Hollywood guy, right? Yeah. So no, like that's just ridiculous. Arnold, yeah, you just you can't do it. I can't. Happen. You need. I feel like in sports movies, you need to have a few people who have a genuine love of the game. Yeah. And Kevin Costner loves the game. Yeah. Nuke Lelouch, I'm going to go on a limb and say Tim Robbins probably was exposed to a lot of baseball as a kid. Yeah. Or at some point, he must have played some baseball. Yeah. You know, all those characters. You're familiar with it. Whereas Arnold's from Austria. Like I, let's be honest. Like, I don't know how much baseball Austria plays. Yeah, for sure. Or Sly. Like, that is not... That's not... The I love the Sly Sloan as an actor. Oh, yeah. That, not, at that guy, point, too, Sly would be... He, I just don't feel like he'd be... He'd be, he the wrong, he'd be the wrong age range, too. Like, yeah. he'd be... I think yeah. he'd be a little too old or a little too young. He you? would have been a little bit too Yeah, old. like... He's he just, two Rambos in by now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. At least two. At least yeah. two. He's, at that point, 87, he's three Rockies in. 
He's three so, Rockies there, there and two Actually, Rambos. Four. He might have been four. I he's a weapon when... specialist. Like, let's be real. I think yeah. he's four Rockies at that point. So, nah. Um, how about this, though? Uh, David Duchovny and Charlie Sheen were both. Well, we mentioned Charlie Sheen, but David Duchovny was considered for the role of a new police. David Duchovny? <laughs> That would have been pretty funny. He'd be all right, actually. I thought that would have been pretty. He wouldn't have. I don't know if he would have looked the part. He's, like, he's he, too like, much. He seems too much like a dirtbag. Like, I just don't think there's yeah. something honorable about Crash as grisly as he Ooh. is. Duchovny just doesn't pull that off for me. I'm sorry. Like, Weeds David Duchovny? Yeah. Or uh, Californication. California. Yeah. He's a little like, he's just a What's little right now, greasy. Yeah. The only like, other guy I could see doing it, and he, he's not big enough. He's not tall enough for me to be like a prize prospect pitcher. That throws gas would have been Woody Harrelson. Yeah, because Woody Harrelson could pull it off. And I'm thinking of like Cheers Woody, right? Like the yeah. Lost Shucks Woody. But he's yeah, he's a little bit too aloof, which Maybe. people associate him with being like morning, Mr. You know, Mr. Peterson. Well, he would have totally got typecast if he did Cheers and that. Like he would never. Yeah. Well, that. and I think that's been most of his career. I mean, other than True Detective, like he's pretty much been that kind of goofy character. Billy in Hoyle, movie. He's, he's pretty. Goofy. Billy Hoyle, he's pretty. Char- yeah, he's, he's pretty. A little he's, smarter than Woody in like uh, Cheers. But, he did that yeah. Highwaymen show. He was a little bit more, yeah. but he's Highwaymen. Still, or but like, even Zombieland, like when you think of like his most famous stuff. Or what yeah. about like uh, Natural Born Killer? He's pretty. That's cool. true. Oh yeah, that's good I don't know, but yeah, I thought that was pretty. Pretty funny, uh, uh, Duchovny. Well, Charlie Sheen would have been good. He, he's, a, he's a pitcher. Like, he yeah. pitched. I think he had scholarship offers, but he was getting into acting at the time. But I think he was throwing, like, high 80s in high school, 80 touching 90. So he's a legit good. pitcher. Yeah, he looks He the played part. California High School League, Baseball. He's got a great he's good. delivery. Yep. His mechanics are fantastic. Yeah. He throws hard. He was a real pitcher. Yeah. All right, let's get into the soundtrack. What are we thinking here? Let's go with Webb first. Uh, I enjoyed the soundtrack. I thought it was it was really well done. Uh, one of the things I was saying earlier, the first thing I noticed when the movie was was done was uh, the the first credit was uh, to Danny Bramson, and he was the music supervisor on the film. Um, and just a couple things that I I wrote down about him here: the guy won a Grammy Award for being the music supervisor for Almost Famous, which is one of my favorite oh, that movies. Was great, great movie, great fantastic movie, fantastic soundtrack. So. Uh, he's done a ton, you know, just some of his credits, uh, some of the funnier ones. Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, he was the executive music producer. City of Angels, Jerry Maguire. Um, wow, yeah, great. he's done quite a few. So it's he's got, so I married an axe murderer. So he's got that Canadian connection with uh, with Mike Myers. I wonder if this was earlier in his career. This uh, was, this was uh, ranked according to IMDb. This was his second movie. It's pretty cool because wow. um, it, it, I know Ron Shelton had shopped this baby around, uh, and he got shot down by a lot of studios, but Orion Pictures picked it up on the premise that he would have no more than, I think it was like $7 million as a budget, which was pretty small, considered. Uh, so he had a pretty, he had a small budget to get this done. I think it grossed over 60 or more million, so he did all right. But uh, yeah, I mean, when it, when it comes to that, obviously, like when it comes down to you know who, who's going to score the movie and all that. I know that comes into play. So. Yeah, for sure. Jr., you had a hot take on this one, didn't you? I'm going to go to Jamer first on this one. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we'll let him. We'll let Jared go clean up here. He's, gonna, liked, he's just going to stew over there for a little bit longer. I'm with you, Webb. I loved it. I thought it was really well scored. I thought the. I thought you know the the songs are appropriate. I thought they really added to the scenes. Like you know when the when they go they get the rain out and Crash has got the sprinklers going and. I can't remember what the song is playing there, but they're having a blast diving around in the mud. and uh, It's just very all-American wholesome. It is. It really was. I mean, I, there were some notable ones in there. I mean, 
Center field's a bit cliche because it's a baseball song, but it, it's 100%. a baseball movie. I think it's warranted. Yeah. John Foria, I think it's a great song. He had Born to be Bad by George Thorogood. He had Rock Around the Clock by James E. Uh, Myers. These are songs you would have heard at the ballpark in 1987. Not to mention you had Tim Robbins' fantastic cover of Otis Redding, Try that a Little was, Tenderness. Now, I mean, that's, I've awesome. never, that's like Hold Me Close, Tony Danza, bad butchering. But, you know, <laughs> it was still pretty good. It was still pretty good. <laughs> yeah. No, I thought it. I thought no they did. A, I thought they did a great job. That song, that sixty minute man song towards the end, that was a fun song. You know, I thought. I just thought it was really well done. I thought it was. Uh, it, it fit the theme. It was, it was a good score. All right, Jr. All right, Jr. Right. Let's go. Bring so the hatchet. So I'm different than the other two individuals here. I'm not a fan of the soundtrack. I love the movie. Love the characters. Love the premise. Love the plot. Love the themes. I'm not a fan of the soundtrack. The sixty minute man. Okay, that's all right. That, that's appropriate. It's placed in. Everything else, I can't do. When I heard John Fogarty come on, I checked out. I'm sorry. When you're putting put me in coach, that you can't get any more cliche than put me in coach. Yes, minor league movie, but I'm sorry. I When I hear that song, I just, kids cringe <laughs> because it's the song that you just, if you go to a baseball park, it's like it's like going to a hockey game in here and we will rock you. Like, of course we've heard we'll rock you. <laughs> You know, how many times have Wayne winning, Gretzky winning, the champions, winning the championship and hearing we are the champions? Yeah, like it's, we are the champions. Of all, you're like, of course you're playing this. Or like when you win, another one bites the dust. It, to me, it's just you can't hear this at a baseball park anymore. And I know the time frame. It's the 80s, whatever. And lots of people will like it. That's fine. You're allowed to your opinion. I didn't like it. I just flat out didn't like it. I didn't like the mascot songs. I didn't like, what was the old guy dancing? What was his name? Max Packin. I didn't like his songs, Dan. I just didn't like the soundtrack to that movie whatsoever. So Fair enough. I wanted nothing to do with it. I'm different than the other people. I'm probably on my own in this because a lot of people probably will like it. I think you're just grumpy because it's so hot in my garage right now. I could be a little grumpy. Certainly old man right now. I could be a little grumpy. It's pretty hot. But that is a factor. It wasn't for me. And What a grump. I am the grumpy one of this right now because it just was not for me. I said to my wife, I was like, listen to this. And John Fogarty, new grass on the field. I don't want to hear him. Sorry. End of story. Well, you got one one fun point? fact. One You're more. Max, what's his name? Max, Max Packin. Okay. Max Packin. I have to give him credit okay. because literally at the start of the movie, he did the Triple H water mist blow. That deserves some credit. He that is true. He's the original. He's he the, is the original he, one. <laughs> he did the Triple H water mist blow. And I made a note of my notepad about that. I was like, you just played, you just did Triple H's water blow. Triple H's the wrestler. And we're talking about Max Packin, who was uh, the crown prince of baseball. He, he was pretty uh, pretty well known around minor league parks back in the in the early days, like 60s, 70s, 80s. He, he was kind of like a traveling show, well known. Uh, I thought it was really cool that he was in this movie. I think he passed away. Maybe I can't remember which year, but back in the nineties, maybe. Yeah, uh, I think I think iconic guy though for sure. Cool. He is. He is. Yeah, what I thought was kind of neat too, and you know, being a huge Simpsons guy, I I wonder how much of the dancing Homer character was based off of off of him and and uh, Bull Durham. Mm-hmm. You know, he I know the Wikipedia according to Wikipedia says dancing Homer is based off the Orioles guy mm-hmm. there, but. But uh, I would think some of the moves and everything else had to be based off him, especially when they're in the you know major or the minor leagues of the Springfield the isotopes. isotopes. That's yes, right. Of course. Cool. That's but, awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. Great first episode, guys. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to the next one. I think as we get going along here, we'll probably have some teasers about what we're going to be doing next. Maybe we'll put out a few polls on our Twitter. If you want to check out our Twitter uh, handle, it's at. Uh, League Flicks. I think they wouldn't allow us to get big League Flicks in there, so it's at League Flicks. We had a character crunch there, so at 
League Flicks. But thanks, everybody. Uh, until next time. Take care, everybody. Cheers, boys. Mm-hmm.